Hey friends, welcome to another episode of This Sovereign Life. I am not even going to go through my usual spiel, uh, opening spiel on this episode because I am having a moment. I am having one of those moments where I feel compelled to just be and not to have a subject matter, not to have a topic, not to, you know, come come forward professionally as if I have everything figured out, which everybody knows I don't, you know, you don't. We're all just navigating this life and figuring it out. And as we figure it out, it changes. So we have to figure it out again. And many of us get left behind because figuring it out is just too much, right? And so I just wanted to be candid in this episode. I don't have anything anything planned. And um, the last few days have been hard for me. They have been, uh, as I launch this podcast, I'm hitting this wall that I always hit where I am met with self-doubt and all of the reasons why um, I should change direction. I should do something different. Maybe this isn't, yeah, this isn't that cool. I should uh, go back to doing this or that, right? And this is a, a mental habit that I have seen. I think it's one of my greatest saboteurs um, because every time I'm about to do something amazing, which this podcast is, mind you, <laughs> um, I I start to kick into the self-sabotaging mode. And I was realizing last night, because I'm sure you probably feel that as well, and, and maybe it's not the same uh, type of sabotage as me. Maybe you're, you know, maybe it's not self-doubt for you. Maybe it's that you burn all your bridges, you know, you these amazing partnerships with people and then you do something to get up. You know what I mean? Or maybe you just never start at all. Maybe you think all the good ideas are for somebody else. Maybe you're still there. Um, but we all have this saboteur that wants to keep us from enjoying more of the good things. Wants to keep us from thriving. Because if we were to thrive, we might believe there was more of that. And if we were to become more sovereign in our minds, if we were to if we were to understand that the agenda, the objective of God was not for us to be struggling struggling? <laughs> Struggle so I could not say struggling right now. If we were to thrive, right? If we were to break through that saboteur wall, if we were to, if we were to squash the inner saboteur, uh, the, the lack, the evil, the devil, whatever you want to call it. And we were to move into the experience of thriving, right? From where we're at now that we're not exactly happy if we were to actually overcome the saboteur and move into experiencing more thriving every day, to experiencing life on a more satisfying level, to feeling joy and peace more than we feel stress and depression and, and fear, then we might actually begin to believe that God has good in mind for us. 
that the creator of this universe, the creator of the human experience, that it was actually the creator oneself. I don't I was avoiding saying gendering the creator, but um, we would possibly realize that that's who is the author of all abundance and joy and peace and goodness and love. And that that's really what God wants for us. And then we might begin to believe there's more of it and step more into that. And then guess what would happen? We would stop seeing God through this religious, uh, this religious lens of a God that wants us to be broken and remorseful and, you know, guilty and always feeling our lack and feeling like we're not good enough. And we have to wait until we get to heaven. We have to wait until an afterlife to experience the goodness of God because we're just poor, wretched sinners. See, there's a lot of things that can be true at the same time. There can be sin, and we can be sinners, but we could also be literally, we could be beings that can choose a connection to pureness and rightness and holiness over the connection to sin in this life. And I think all of these uh, things that we're taught and how we're conditioned and religions and schools, they're all part of this belief system of lack. And, you know, I used to see, because I was raised religious, you probably know that by now if you've listened to any other episodes, but I was raised in this religion where, uh, you know, God always felt so far away and the devil always felt like he was sneaking around the corner, waiting behind every door, probably going to jump out of your bottom drawer, your underwear drawer. Um, and the devil was always there, right? But somehow God had, I don't know, gone back to heaven and we weren't really going to experience that again until after we died, right? The devil, the devil was the craziest thing about this idea of the devil that I picked up um, was, was always this external force or like, you know, your actions, what you do, uh, the sinful things you do, like having sex before you're married or, you know, drinking alcohol or smoking or, um, you know, uh, they can get worse than that. But, you know, as religious kids, barely the tip of the iceberg and you're sinning. Um, but the devil always felt, felt so, uh, like, I don't know, like you could see him coming and he was clearly evil, clearly, you know, satanic. And, and yet all these religious people, they would choose how they got to label the devil for the kids. Doesn't really make sense, but you know, it was whatever you didn't want your kid to do. <laughs> and my parents weren't really like that. But, you know, a lot of the, the elders of the church, the, the authoritative figures, it was what they believed, you know, they should teach the kids not to do. That was the devil, right? So it was always this uh, 
these things that you were going to be tempted into doing. And yet what I never learned, what I never realized back in those days was that there was that, that this, the devil or the evil of the world, because clearly like regardless of your belief system, you have to acknowledge that there are both good and evil forces in this world. And of anything that could be opposing any two opposing realities, I would say it's the realities of good and evil. Right. And I do very much believe in, in a spiritual realm in something beyond this human existence, this material life. So I believe that, that good and evil are both greater forces at work, but also the way they materialize is within us while we are here in our human experience. Right. I no longer believe that they're just like outside of us. Like they, they gotta have a host. (laughs) Like, I think that makes sense according to scripture or anything you would read in regards to like, you know, spirit. But it's like, it's crazy because now what I see, now what I see is the devil is I see the devil as deprivation. That voice in us that tells us to deprive ourselves of the good or that we are deprived of the good, that we don't have access to the good and even bigger and more powerful of an evil thought than ever is that God, God's self would deprive us and wants to deprive us of all of the good things of the joy and the happiness and the peace and the wealth and all the things that we want, the experiences And if you think about back to the original sin in the Bible, literally that's what Satan did. As many have pointed out before me, Satan pointed out the lack of one little tree in the garden compared to all of the other trees, all the other fruits that God had given them access to. And Satan, or the serpent, I guess, I don't know if, Uh, it's called the serpent in Genesis. So I'll just say that the serpent managed to get Eve to focus on the lack. That's crazy. Right. And I think that's still the way it is. It's like, we think it's all these things, but I think the reason that we do bad things and that we want bad things is because we believe that we lack. We, we allow ourselves to lack And then we're so deprived that we feel in that deprivation with bad things, with pornography or, you know, alcohol or, and it's not that anything is inherently bad in itself, but it's like what it does, right? If you can, if you can be so deprived of joy that you need to poison your body to feel like you have joy, then that is... To me, that's what sin is now. That is what the the devil is. That's what the serpent, the Satan, you know, the evil force is in our lives. It's not something outside of us that's going to tempt us. Like some little creepy, devilish looking guy that's going to lead you down a hallway to a pornography studio. No, it's, 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 it's the voice inside of you 
that makes you believe that you can't have real joy. You can't really have what you want. That you can't have what you desire. You're not worthy of it. God doesn't want you to have it because God wants you to suffer. Or, you know, you can't have it because of somebody else. That's what I really think is still the devil at work. And then when we are deprived, because if you believe that you're not worthy of something, you will deprive yourself of it. If you, this is just the truth. Like, uh, if you really, if you don't believe what I'm saying, all you have to do is take a few days to look at yourself and what you don't think you're worthy of, like in real honesty and see that that's, you don't, you somehow sabotage yourself out of getting it right. And it's very sneaky, but you know, according to, uh, according to the Bible and any other account of good and evil, the, the devil is sneaky, right? So the sneaky part is that it's not about like, it's not an external, it's not about avoiding an external evil, avoiding porn. And that's what everyone does wrong, right? It's like, oh no, I have this sexual desire. I better avoid it. Or, oh, I want to eat this food. I better avoid it, right? And there again, you have the lack rather than, rather than the perspective of like, I love to have the feeling of sexual pleasure and I'm worthy of the feeling of sexual pleasure. And I was created with the sensations that allow me to experience that. And so therefore I must be worthy of it. And it is worth it for me to enjoy that in the most, uh, to experience that in the most enjoyable and, um, tremendous way, right? Or I love to, I love the flavors of food and therefore, uh, you know, like, I don't know that where I was going with that, but you kind of get the picture, right? Like these, uh, when you're just depriving yourself, then you're going to want it more. And I think that's what the devil knows. Whereas if you were to say, I can enjoy food anytime I want. Food is here for me. It's to feed my body. It's to nourish me. It's, its purpose is to nourish me and build up my body and give me pleasure, right? When you take that perspective on food, it changes everything. Because you're not just eating something out of a guilty pleasure. You're understanding that there's all there are all these flavors available to you for your pleasure. And then nothing's lacking, nothing's depriving you and you get to choose. And when you're in that situation and you have a plethora of beautiful food, you have more to choose from and you can be more, um, intentional about your choices, right? But it's the lack that takes away our intention. It's the lack that really takes away everything from us. So we don't get to experience life in the way that God intended us to. And I see that in so many ways right now, like I feel disconnected a lot of times from nature. I love to be out in nature, just walking outside in a beautiful crisp day right now. There's snow, so it's it's cold outside, but the sun comes out and the snow sparkles like diamonds and the air feels clean and crisp. And you see a little bunny rabbit hopping along trying to find something to eat in the snow. And it's a beautiful sight. The deer walk into our backyard and they are 
graceful and pretty and soothing. And all of this is so beautiful and all of it is so here for me, right? And yet we live in this culture that perpetuates lack all the time. So much lack that we often forget to experience and enjoy what is right there for us. God giveth you, what, what is the verse? Uh, all things freely for your enjoyment. I think I misquoted that. But um, I just like, I believe that we are meant to experience abundance and joy and love in this life. And I think that religion has been one of the devil's greatest tools in continuing to perpetuate lack as if it is, as if it is from God, as if God desires us to experience this misery and pain and lack. And I think that's so detrimental. And I think it's so wrong. And I feel it deeply in my own conditioning, you know? Um, And I think, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, is I think therein lies the sin and therein lies the opposition of good and evil is that in this human body, this human experience, we are ingrained with this idea of lack. It is like the... It is the curse. Curse isn't... The, I mean, I guess that that's another topic for another time. But this feeling that we cannot have, rather than enjoying all that we can have freely and abundantly, rather than focusing on that, we focus on not having... We sabotage ourselves out of having what we want, what we desire, because we deeply believe that we lack lack worthiness, lack ability, lack skill, lack privilege, lack all of these things. And, And consequently, we have created a society that does force lack upon us. It does create true detriment to the people of society, to humanity, because with these beliefs, we have we have uh, glorified greed. We have allowed it to take preeminence over everything. And greed creates lack, real lack for many. And so it's a self-perpetuating cycle of evil versus good, of sin versus God. And yet I think where we, where we do ourselves a disservice is we get it mixed up and we attribute sin to God, we attribute the lack to God, and we attribute the abundance somehow, we, like, throw that away, just throw it away, give it away, and believe that 
this is all that's available to us. And personally, in my journey right now, I am, I feel that duality. I feel that every day the need to choose, the ability to choose what, what am I going to allow to take preeminence in my life? The lack and the deprivation, desperation, or the abundance and the love and the peace. And both are available to us. And it's what we choose. It's not just that one will automatically overcome the other. That's where we have our part. That's why and how we take sovereignty, right? What, like, that is human experience. Because without a body, without an existence, we couldn't, we couldn't choose. And we, we couldn't give power to one or the other. So interesting. It's so complex. And this is so off the cuff. (laughs) Um, So if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, well, I apologize, but also not really because I think that this, this is very real. And I think that the more we see technology increase, the more we can understand the more that we see happening in the world, the more, the more urgent it becomes to choose. Because I think the devil, I think is called the prince of the world. Right. And I think that it's obvious that that force will always, will always, 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 work in the opposition of good and always create chaos and misery and lack. And that is the predominant force like chosen here on earth in a lot of places. Right. But if we all have the power to give our power to one or the other, then that's, that is responsibility. It's a responsibility for ourselves, for our communities, for all of humanity, for future generations. And it's a great responsibility. An important one. And I believe one with a whole lot of power. I'm going to end this episode here because I could ramble on forever, but, uh, I feel, feel settled. Feel good talk guys. Good chat. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And, uh, I will see you guys in the next episode.